0: Welcome to Explain It for the first Sunday after Trinity. And the Gospel lesson is taken from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 16. And it's the story of a rich man and a poor beggar named Lazarus. Now, throughout the scriptures, we'll see these great reversals of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit uh, fighting against the unholy Trinity, the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. And when these great reversals occur, the people of God Uh, have this great boldness and confidence and faith to believe that it is the triune God who is in control of all of the events of this world. He rules and reigns, and his purposes will prevail. Uh, It also reminds us that right is right, wrong is wrong, and in the end, no matter what we're facing, divine justice always will prevail. And that in Jesus, the kingdom of God will move forward. It will prevail and the gates of hell cannot come against it. Jesus will build his church no matter what the circumstances. Now we see one of these great reversals in the story of Joseph. In Genesis, Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. He's put into prison Uh, by God's uh, providence. He is raised to a place of of prominence within, uh, within Egypt so that when the famine comes, he might store up the grain. Store up the grain so that then this promised family, the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, might come to Egypt, not die off, but would come to Egypt and would be able to uh, uh, find food in Egypt. And therefore, this promised family, the generations will live on so that Messiah, the promised seed, will come from this family. Now, in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph says to his brothers, he understands this great reversal. He says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So not just the saving of the lives of that current generation, uh, his brothers, uh, his father, but also ensuring that the promised seed will go on, that one day Messiah will come from the family of Abraham. Another great reversal you'll see in the entire book of Esther. So evil Haman is the one who will come against the Jewish people plotting and scheming, wanting to destroy them. But God again in his providence works it out in such a way that the evil plans of Haman are reversed and turned around for the good of the people of God. Esther 7, verse 7, uh, Esther 7, verse 10 says, So they hanged Haman on the gallows he had prepared for Mordecai. The Psalms are filled with this, um, this cry for God to act, and then the understanding that it is God himself who fights on our behalf, who reverses those plans that were meant for evil, And works them out for the kingdom good. And so in the Psalms, you'll have these Psalms of lament questions. Why, Lord? How long, O Lord? Even these imprecatory Psalms, the ones that are begging God to act on on our behalf. O Lord, act. O Lord, break the arm of the wicked man. You see these great reversals also in the teaching of Jesus. Uh, In Matthew chapter 5, you'll hear it in the Beatitudes Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the, is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those uh, who are persecuted. Uh, Jesus says such things as the first will be last, and the last will be first. Uh, if you want to become great in the kingdom, become a servant. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus uh, confronts Peter, Uh, Jesus turns to Peter and says to him, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter has uh, confronted Jesus and said, No, Lord, you shall never go to Jerusalem. But Jesus speaks to Peter, seeing who is behind it. Again, the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. And then Jesus says to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. And then Jesus says, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Now, that this leads right into the, the gospel lesson, Luke chapter 16, the account of a rich man and a poor beggar named Lazarus. Again, what will it gain if a man uh, has the whole world and yet in the end forfeits his soul? So the account is about two men and they have two different earthly lives uh, and they both die but they they then also uh have two different eternal places. So Luke chapter 16 uh, begins and says there was a a rich man uh, named Lazarus and he, uh, a rich man um and he lived in luxury every day. And there was this beggar named Lazarus. Uh he's covered with sores longing to eat what fell from this rich man's table. And it then says that the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried uh, him to Abraham's side. Now the rich man also died, the text says, and was buried. And in hell, or Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And so he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. The text continues, verse 25, Luke 16. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So two men... Two very uh, different earthly lives, one living in in luxury, the other a beggar covered with with sores. But there's two places. They both die two places. One is brought to Abraham's side, Abraham's bosom, um, uh, the place where uh, the family, the people of God are, the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those who die in faith. The other is brought to a place called hell. A place of torment and fire. And the text says there is a great chasm that separates them. Now, death does separate. It separates in a number of different ways. Um, we experience it in grief when uh, a loved one is uh, separated from us. No more, you know, phone calls, conversations, celebrations. And so there is that grief uh, that death does separate us from one another. There is a physical and uh, spirit separation. The body goes into the ground. And for those who die in Christ, the spirit goes to be with with Jesus. And so there is that separation. One day the two uh, will um, be brought together. There will be the resurrection of the body. But now uh, the scriptures uh, comfort us with the fact that those who die in Christ, that they are with Christ awaiting the resurrection of the body. But there's, there's, there's this further separation. Uh, the separation between the spiritually dead and the spiritually resurrected. The scripture will speak of this as uh, the second death. Now, in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, maybe read this, uh, if you have a moment this this week, read Ecclesiastes in the context of the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And the teacher in Ecclesiastes, Solomon, says these words, uh, beginning at verse 12. Although a wicked man commits a hundred crimes and still lives a long time, I know that it will go better with God-fearing men who are reverent before God. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it would not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth. Righteous men who get what the wicked deserve, and wicked men who get what the righteous deserve, this too, I say, is meaningless. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning at verse 2, uh, Solomon says, all share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil and everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The same destiny. In other words, Solomon looking at it and say, we're all going towards the grave. Uh, now, in the Old Testament, there is a word for this. Uh, the word is Sheol. And context and content of where that word is used helps us understand it. It has a, a couple of different meanings depending on the context. So, the first one would be this idea of Sheol, or uh, literally the grave. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We're all headed towards the grave. Job 17 says, if the only home I hope for is the grave, if I spread out my bed in darkness, well, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me? Will it go down to the gates of death? Will We, we will descend together into the dust." So it's the, the literal meaning, the physical place where the body is laid, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Sheol can also mean this idea of the afterlife, where uh, you depart from the land of the living. Psalm 89, what man can live and not see death or save himself from the power of the grave? Uh, uh, another meaning um, is Sheol in the sense that it's the place of judgment. Uh, reserved for, not the righteous, but for the unrighteous. Deuteronomy chapter 32. For a fire has been kindled by my wrath, one that burns to the realm of death below. Now, the scriptures also speak about death in the sense of uh, the physical death, but then also a second death, a spiritual death. You'll find this in Revelation uh, chapter 21. The text says, He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give give drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. And he who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Now, the second death, Revelation 21, verse 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the, the second death. So there is death, physical death, but then there is also a second death for those who do not have faith in Messiah. The, uh, a good way to think about this is the little saying that if we are born once, we die twice. But if we are born twice, we die only once. So born once in the sense of we're all physically born. We're, we all have a, a, a birthday uh, when uh, we are brought into this world. But um, if we die twice, again, the teacher uh, in Ecclesiastes says our destiny is that all of us are going to the grave. So we're all going to experience that, that physical death. Um, but if we die twice... Not only physically, but also spiritually, not not believing in Christ Jesus. If we're not born again, then we have that second death. So born once, only physically, well then, sadly, we will die two times, physically, but also the second death. But if we're born twice, not just born physically, but born again, born of water and of the Spirit, then uh, we only die once. We're only put into the grave, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But we don't experience that second death. We are brought to um, the presence of Christ, awaiting the resurrection. Psalm 49 says it this way, verses 14 through 15. Like sheep, they are destined for the grave, and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions, but God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. And so uh, all those verses are are, are really um, speaking of this gospel text, the reality that there are two men. They have two different earthly lives, one living in luxury, all the, in quotes, blessings of this world. The other, uh, a poor beggar covered with sores. But they both experience the same destiny. Both are put into the grave, but then there are two different eternal places. So there's a contrast uh, in this text. Blessings again in this world. And I put the put this idea of blessings in in the sense of quotations, right? Good things happening to you. You could say that, but then there's blessings, these eternal blessings in the world to come for those who die in uh, in faith in Christ Jesus. So that's why Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. He has in mind uh, a spiritual kingdom, spiritual blessings. Matthew 6, uh, where Jesus warns, For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So be careful where you put your trust. What do you hold fast to? 1 John chapter 2 do not love the world or anything in this world, always keeping an eye on um, another place, another reality. Now, Luther, I found this quote uh, in his um, sermon on this first Sunday after Trinity, says these words. I find it uh, really quite insightful. He says, Whoever feels God's goodness also feels his neighbor's misfortune. But whoever does not feel God's goodness also does not feel his neighbor's misfortune. Therefore, just as he had no pleasure in God, so also his neighbor was not in his heart. Speaking of this, this rich man. So it's not about, well, um, those who have blessings in this life, well, they they go to a, a place separated, a fiery place, because they had all their blessings here. And those who didn't, well, they'll have a better blessings in an eternal place. It's not about that. Um, it is about this, that, There is an inward sin of this rich man and an outward sin. The rich man's inward sin is that there's no fear, love, or trust in in God during his life. He has put his trust into his life, his way of living, the luxury that he has. Now, because he has that as his God, also it reveals uh, uh, itself in his actions. The rich man's outward sin is that there's no love or good works toward the neighbor. Now, it's interesting to note that this rich man knows the name of the beggar, Lazarus. And you can envision him walking by this man day after day after day, living in luxury. No love in his heart for this man because there's no love or fear or trust of God in his heart. And that's the separation, the separation eternally. No fear, love, or trust in God in his heart. And no, uh, no love for this neighbor is shown in his earthly life. And so, again, uh, in eternal life, he's crying out to Abraham, send Lazarus, send Lazarus. He knows his name. He's walked by this man. But now there is a different destiny for for both of them. Luke chapter 16. Then I beg you, The rich man says, "'Send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment.' But Abraham replies, "'They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them.'" Verse 30, "'No, Father Abraham,' the rich man says, "'but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent.'" To which he says, Abraham says to him, "'If they do not listen to Moses,' And the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. So faith in Messiah uh, ultimately comes through the proclamation of the gospel. It does not come from signs and wonders, from someone rising from the dead, but rather it comes from the proclamation of the Law and the Prophets which speak of Jesus Christ. The fulfillment of all of those for the forgiveness of of sins. And so, um, Abraham says, they have all that they need. Your brothers have the Law and the Prophets proclaimed to them. In that Law and the Prophets is proclaimed promise of Messiah. In that Law and the Prophets is the Gospel that they fear, love, and trust in God above all things and that they lend living out of that gospel, uh, have a life of love. So, Pentecost gifts give us power to proclaim that gospel. Again, the message of the entire Old Testament, Jesus Christ crucified, dead and risen for the forgiveness of sins. Power to proclaim that. Power to believe it, that it's ours, that Christ himself has died on our behalf. And then power to live and to love out of the gospel. So born once, sadly die twice, but born twice, not only physically, but also born again, born spiritually, then there's only one death. Psalm 49, like sheep, they are destined for the grave and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions. But God, But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself.